the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. I'm your host, Jess Root, from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site, covering Arizona Cardinals. My co-host on the line with me is Seth Cox from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, the SB Nation Arizona Cardinals site, and also one of the hosts of the original breakdown, original draft breakdown podcast. It is episode 300, I'm sorry, 480. And this is our well, this is this is an interesting because we hit trade deadline, and the Cardinals made a trade. They we had this is the what's going on with the quarterback position plus week eight review and reaction. Seth, we have to start with this. We thought, you know, it went this this kind of like last week. Kayvon Wills, Kayvon Wallace went from being hey we're playing every snap to you're benched to you're cut. This is what this is what happened to Josh Dobbs this week, playing every snap for eight weeks after the game on Sunday as a, a thirty-one to twenty-four loss to the Baltimore Ravens at home. Um, it was you know it wasn't that close, but it was it became that close. Um, it was and it, we was we'll talk about that part. It it got out of hand a lot of a lot because of Dobbs's play and. It got close because of Dobbs' play at the same time. Um, but after the game, Jonathan Gannett made it very clear that Josh Dobbs is still the starting quarterback. Monday, he comes out and says, nah, we we talked things through, and it's either going to be Kyler or Clayton Toon. Kyler was, of course, right on the edge of that three-week practice window where he's going to be reactivated and, and moved into the starting lineup. So, so Dobbs goes from being playing every snap to being got the vote in confidence. It, Gannon gave him the absolute vote of confidence. He never once thought about moving from him during the game. Said he's you know he's the guy. I trust him. To the next day benched, and now Tuesday as it's, it's Tuesday afternoon, a few hours after the trade deadline, um, Josh Dobbs is no longer a card. They traded him to the Minnesota Vikings. What in the how does that happen? Now Minnesota needed a quarterback. Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles, so they're left with the rookie Jaron Hall. Um, and apparently, Kirk Cousins is not Aaron Rodgers, who can come back in. Well, and now it's re- mid-season, so rec- record-setting time to play. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get whatever that guy's. Oh, uh, well, Aaron Rodgers. I think I think he's been talking to Tom Brady and and whatever robot, whatever robot things that that you know he's becoming a cyborg. Is because Tom Brady's a cyborg, haven't we? Kind of. Yeah, exactly. That. And so, you know, it's one, I mean, obviously, I think you and I kind of both agree, like, thank you for the eight games, Josh Dobbs, like, you did the most you could, um, we, without taking a shot or not, you know, taking zero shots at Josh Dobbs, neither one of us had high expectations, so I think you... And he, cl- there, there was a stretch, he played better than either one of us thought he could. Right, and, and so you cleared expectations. You did a nice job, uh, and now you're, you know, now you're off to your next adventure in life, and we'll see how that works out for you. And hopefully, it works out extremely well because, you know, the one thing that 
everybody's going to tell you about Dobbs more than anything else is he's a fantastic, fantastic person. Uh, I don't think anybody has a negative word to say about him as a person. And so, you know, sometimes we get so caught up in, in the NFL football thing, we kind of forget about that stuff. And so I think that's always, you know, a good thing to remember is like, we're, we're talking about a guy that, you know, got a great chance for the first time in his career, um, made the most of it. You Like you said, we saw the highs and the lows of who he is as a quarterback. And he had some career games, including against, you know, the San Francisco 49ers. And, and, but, you know, it's time to move on. And, and hopefully that is a sign of things to come in the sense of who's going to be activated soon you know we'll talk about that but um you know the the Dobbs era was what it was um so much for legacy backup right (laughs) right and and you know you and I were always steadfast on everything that was happening none of it meant anything in terms of um starting right like we were always just kind of like hey he's doing a really nice job as a backup like and that was basically where we left it and and you and i never because we've been here for too long partially but you and i never bought in or or fell into the hype train of um (laughs) that he could be a starter like we're like no (laughs) no no no. maybe but but that's the thing is like when we talked about it like we were of the idea that hey those that three game stretch that new york uh dallas san francisco stretch we were like man if you get that from him as a backup in two to three games like you take that 10 times out of 10 oh absolutely um, but you also saw that once you get to about week 3 or 4 of him starting it's going to start to catch up to you and and those are things that happen and you know, Godspeed uh, in Minnesota. I hope he plays every game and the Cardinals recoup that seventh-round pick that they sent with him. Actually, Jess and I hope that he, they don't just so they don't have that seventh-round pick <laughs> in the draft. But from an accounting winning a trade perspective, we we hope that they recoup that seventh-round pick. Wait, I, I, had, I was a little confused by how that came through because it made it sound like so here's the deal is the the initial deal. The Cardinals the Cardinals sent Dobbs and a conditional 7th round pick to the Vikings for a 6th round pick. So essentially Josh Dobbs was not worth a draft pick. He was worth a round in a draft, right? That's if we're if we're just going by straight value, he is worth a round up. Right. <laughs> but uh, um, what I saw, and, and let me have to pull that up. I, I've got it right here from John Gambadoro. Okay, He's, okay, because because what came through with Rappaport, it made it sound like that depending on what happens, is that that seventh would have to be higher. No, so if Dobbs starts half the Vikings games remaining, the Cardinals get the seventh round pick back. So the Cardinals get a sixth from minnesota and and then they gave them dobbs and their seventh 
And then they, if he starts, so I guess there's nine games left. I don't, I don't know if they've had their buy or not. So they either have nine or 10 games left. Um, so I'm guessing, I don't know how that would work. Five, we'll just call it five for easy math. If they, if he starts five games, they get that. Seventh so, round so, pick back. Oh, so essentially it will have been Dobbs for a sixth. Correct. And so he then, if he plays, if he starts five games, he won't be worth a round. He'll be worth a draft pick. Correct. So, <laughs> yeah, because if that that makes more sense, that makes a lot more sense to me than what um, I saw initially. I'm trying to pull up where was that. Now, what the like really? The the Forty Niners trading for Chase Young is that that they're they're stealing. They why? Well, I think a lot of it is his contract's going to be out of control if he plays well. And then if he doesn't, it's really hard to see him. Uh, they haven't been good in terms of um, or health wise for him. Right. So, like, I think that's where they're getting to with that. I'm not saying I agree or disagree. That's just, I think, where where they're at with it. So, you know, <clears throat> I was reading a lot of takes today and, and some of the takes, you know, obviously uh, what the Chicago bears are doing is always interesting. Um, they traded for Montez sweat who, you know, would probably be an absolutely phenomenal fit in the Cardinals. But would you trade, let's just say 33 for Montez sweat and the right to pay him? I would guess 120 million over five years like so it just it makes it tough to to eat that whereas the Niners are basically giving up a third with the idea that if he plays well we'll try to sign him to a huge deal if he doesn't play well it's a third round compensatory pick because they'll get an extra pick from uh having Ryan Carthen and uh uh who was their DC last year? Or D'Amico Ryan's, you know, get hired away for the diversity <laughs> hiring program. So it is one of those situations where, you know, if you're the 49ers, it makes sense yeah. uh, just to take a shot. But like for a team like the Cardinals, who you're like, why not you do it? Well, Chase Young hasn't lived up to the hype. He hasn't been bad by any stretch of the imagination, but like you can't give up uh a third round pick and and i don't you know we don't know what compensatory picks they have for a guy that has uh has never played a full season and since his outstanding rookie year where he was a the defensive rookie of the year and a pro bowler he has six and a half sacks five of those sacks coming this year in his you know, contract year because they didn't pick up his. Yeah. Um, so it's a really hard justification for a team like the Cardinals. You know, this isn't Brian Burns last year. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other pass rushers that have moved at, at the deadline. You know, this wouldn't be like trading for Max Crosby of the of the Raiders. Uh, this is legitimately just like this would be like if the cardinals traded 
Kyler Murray, you'd probably get similar, like right now, you know, without him having played at all. Yeah. Uh, you, you would have got probably a third, maybe a, maybe a second, um, you know, and, and then if he plays well, oh, and obviously the difference is Kyler's sign, but like, uh, you know, that's the type of thing you're doing. You're just, you're taking a shot on a guy that hasn't, I mean, literally in 21 and 22, he had one and a half sacks and five quarterback hits in, in two seasons. And he played a combined 12 games. Yes. Like you're, you're just hoping that he stays healthy for the first time since 2020 and that that he's a guy that regains that form um and you know the cardinals just right now aren't in a position to to do something like that and like you said it sucks that it ended up being san francisco but (laughs) at the same time you look at it it's the reality that probably nobody else was willing to even come close to that right yeah probably i i found the tweet that i that had me a little confused because it was from adam schefter uh, there are conditions attached to the trade that can turn the seventh round pick that's arizona sent to minnesota into a sixth round pick per source so you know because it, it made it sound like it was dobbs in a seventh for a sixth but it could be dobbs in a sixth for a sixth <laughs> i'm like wait what Right. <laughs> Basically, yeah. almost making like it sound they were just giving away Dobbs. <laughs> right. <laughs> the potentially, <laughs> which would make it like at least the way it's right now, Dobbs is worth a roundup in the draft. If that were to be the case, then he's not worth anything in the draft, especially right. because now, yeah, yeah, because we don't like as of right now, like it would be moving back, right? <laughs> Right, exactly. And so that's just how you have to look at it. And, you know, one of the things that you and I have, you know, talked about off the air and, and and so you just kind of look at what he's done well this year uh, and, and he being Monty Court is really see the value of the players on the roster or understand what their value is and and what i mean by that is you know a a high number including you and i were very um surprised to see them trade away josh jones um well i can as somebody that was high on josh jones incredibly high on josh jones you know uh it pains me to say this but he's been terrible in houston and hasn't played since week three um a lot of people i you and i were not two of them we both were very i'm trying to think of how i would describe our feeling on losing byron murphy but both of us were like if you can get him for a reasonable price that would have been ideal right like you and i were both that way but what he got from Houston or from Houston, sorry, from Minnesota, I don't think was reasonable. He's been, and, and I'm not taking a shot at a guy. I, this is just reality. He's been borderline awful for the Vikings. Um, he's been one of the worst cover corners in the NFL this year. Uh, so weird. And, and that's not to say he wouldn't help Arizona because one of the worst cover corners in the NFL that plays every down would still be, better than you know what they've had (laughs) but 
but if you're looking to obviously you know grow this this franchise then you can't have that you know just weighing you down even if it's just a two-year you know 18 million dollar contract which again you and i were both kind of like that doesn't seem so bad for all the needs they have but you know obviously again i give praise to monty he he kind of saw it um same you know can be said for for isaiah simmons he's played 36 percent of the snaps he's started one game and he plays for one of the worst defenses in the nfl um i mean and that defensive guru in week martindale has not been able to unlock him right any more than vance joseph or anyone could right and and you know even last game you look at it i mean he had one pass defense that was coming off uh you know not playing in buffalo or playing well against Washington, not playing in Buffalo. Um, and, and it's just, it's just interesting. Yeah. He's just not playing, you know, he's it's almost just, honest. Like it, like his best fit was in Vance Joseph's defense, even as, right. as, as odd as it looked, because sometimes it didn't feel like he was a fit, but Vance actually got a lot out of him. Right. And, you know, you look at it, he played, he played 11 snaps against, buffalo the week after playing every snap in the in the miami game and outside of that miami game he's he's playing less than 40 percent of snaps every game like he's just and so when people are like you only got a seventh round pick well he's playing about the equivalency of a, a fifth sixth round pick and you know obviously his contract makes that a little higher so and then obviously again the last guy zach allen has been a, a bus thus far, uh, which is the oddest one, right? Because he was going to the same defense. Right. So, you know, it's just been, so that's the one thing I'll say, like I'll give, I'll give Monty the benefit of the doubt. Cause while I, you know, we both were kind of, uh, intrigued, I guess is the best way to put it with, why they traded for for Josh Dobbs in the first place uh you know he's he's understood the value or or what the guy has better than we have and and you know gotten something out of it so we'll see how that continues to work out obviously the the biggest difference here being that uh you know they basically lost a round to lose um lose seven games with josh dobbs as their quarterback and that's that that's just a reality i mean there's nothing not trying to take a shot or anything that's just that's what it has well in in fairness in fairness and when they knew that colt wasn't going to be the guy um we know about the quarterback tax and the fact the fact that it's that minnesota would have to trade anything to acquire josh dobbs and what he's done this year is it's it's testament to that now Let's kind of let's roll it back to what this means because there was talk that Kyler would be activated this past week. I didn't think it would happen because there was he was getting full reps in in practice, but it, it didn't. It came down. It wasn't full reps with the first team, but now there's only two quarterbacks on the team and technically only one on the on the active roster, and that's Clayton Tune. Uh, 
Gannon said it would either be Kyler or Toon who starts. And and we, we can assume. Gannon did say today on Tuesday he wasn't scheduled to talk to reporters. He did, he did speak to reporters briefly today and did say they would add a third quarterback. I can only assume that that means Jeff Driscoll. Now, the, the, the roster decision that they're going to make is going to be interesting because as things stand right now, it would look like you would have to, you would have to activate Kyler. But Adam Schefter, and now he didn't tweet this on Monday, but it was in Josh Weinfuss's story for ESPN that when Dobbs was announced as benched, that... Schefter was told by sources that the Cardinals will start Tune on Sunday. It's an interesting move to start Tune on Sunday when you don't have Josh Dobbs on the roster. It's an interesting move to start Tune if you're going to activate Kyler and not have any other quarterback on the roster. Um, so you would it would suggest the way things were look right now, it, it seems like a foregone conclusion that Kyler will be activated and back up tune that that seems highly interesting to me like as that that seems feels like that's a decision you make to activate your franchise quarterback and start the rookie fifth rounder for his ml in his nfl debut and put then therefore put kyler in a position to where if they don't think he's ready that he might have to go into a game even less ready because tune gets hurt there is the possibility that um, the Cardinals can play with the roster, and I think it'll it'll ultimately come down. It'll ultimately come down to how they what they do with that third quarterback. It, I will assume that by the time we you hear this show when it drops on Wednesday, that it will have been um, that it will have been Jeff Driscoll that they bring back. Now, if they sign him to the active roster. If they sign him to the active roster, that gives the Cardinals a little bit, a little bit of flexes, flexibility because the the NFL has this third quarterback rule, um, where if you have a you can have an inactive third quarterback on game day who then can be active in the case of both quarterbacks that are active being hurt. There is a problem with that. That there is one. There are a couple of caveats to that. It has to be a quarterback. You already have to be burning a spot on the for 53-man roster for that third quarterback. He cannot be a practice squad elevation. Jeff Driscoll was on the practice squad up until um, last week or a couple weeks ago when Kyler was designated to return and, and Kyler went back to practice. If if Jeff if Jeff Driscoll is if Jeff Driscoll is signed to the practice squad, he cannot be the emergency quarterback. Here's here's what we could see though. If they sign Driscoll to the active roster, okay, if they sign him to the active roster on Wednesday, making him the backup, even if they activate Kyler. So one, it could make it so they don't they just decide not to activate Kyler this week until next week, uh, when then he he'd be set to play, which is kind of what we were all looking at. We've all been looking at that Atlanta game. But if they activate Kyler this weekend, you could make Kyler the the emergency third, and you have tune start. Uh, even in honestly, you could even do this. Now, I, I and I think you can't. So Driscoll could be the backup. You keep Murray deactivated. He doesn't dress, but he does dress because he could then then come in as the emergency third quarterback only. Like he's ready to play, but not ready to play. And 
I think that might be the option. Because, I don't know, Seth. If Kyler's ready to come off of PUP and be activated, but not, like, wouldn't it make sense to get him in the lineup? I There's, there's a couple lines of thought. But to you, would it make sense that if you're going to activate him, why not put him in this? Why not have him play? Yeah, and and why not get him out there and get him going and and because like, look, what if Tune gets hurt and you have to play him anyway? <laughs> right. Well, I guess the only thing I would question, and I'm looking right now, is if they're concerned about like weather on Sunday because it is Cleveland and it's supposed to rain Monday and Tuesday in Cleveland now Sunday it's supposed to be 60 and sunny so who knows but it's supposed to rain Monday and Tuesday and we know how weather changes in the Midwest as opposed to here where it never changes and you're just stuck right so so I guess we'll just see how that kind of works out um and oh i had a question yeah would they bring back colt no i don't think so i mean (laughs) i would think it's jeff driscoll but would they bring back colt mccoy right (laughs) they're already paying him by the way they're already paying him right how does that work would they pay him more or um he he, well that that contract is null and void Unless they, well, I guess if there's offset language, then, because he would get signed to, they, they would sign him to like the minimum deal, but it would either be he gets paid whatever prorated amount for the rest of the season or however long he's on the roster, plus the two and a quarter million he was already due, or it would be pro, or it, that counts as the, or it counts as the offset language and it, it would just be playing instead of, you know, sitting at home. I don't know. I just came to mind. He's saying no. I I'm I would be shocked if it's not Jeff Driscoll because he was with the team half. He was with the team all through the off season. It would make sense for him to be the second quarterback if you didn't want Kyler to have to play. Right, and I think that makes the most sense. Coming up next on the Rise of Seward podcast, Mr. Cardinals talk on the web. Let's look back at the game against the Ravens. We'll look at the good. Maybe we won't be talking long with that. That's coming up next on Rise of Seward. We're back on the Rise of Seward podcast. The best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Um, let's talk about the Ravens game, the 31-24 to loss, the good. Was there, in your opinion, any good team-wise from that game? Yeah, I thought, again, the defense looked like it's coming into form. Um, you know, it's been... It's been a struggle for this defense. I think you and I have covered that kind of ad nauseum. Uh, But to see them against a team that literally just put up a breezy, almost, what, 500 yards of total offense the week before against a superior team. I mean, let's just be honest. The Lions are far and away better than the Cardinals. Um, To see them hold the Ravens, to less than 300 total yards of offense. Um, You know, I think Lamar finished with under 200 yards passing, which I'm sure for everybody gambling was not the way you wanted to see it. But (laughs) uh, Yeah, like he had 157. Now his his rating was solid, 
but yeah, it, it was it was really interesting. But I mean, his rating at ninety four point two is is a huge step down from like what he did the week before, and they did put up five hundred yards of offense. So I was right. Yeah, so five hundred and three yards of offense the week before. You know, this was the second least amount of yards that they put up all season, and so to see that happen against the Cardinals was impressive. Um, you know, the one glaring thing that the defense didn't do this week is is just force a turnover. But, I mean, outside of that, I think you're happier with things. And, and what really – they weren't hurt by anything other than pass interference penalties. Yeah, and – Antonio Hamilton really struggled with Odell Beckham. From um, – I think it was Antonio Hamilton had a couple – uh, you know, to see the guys that, you know, we expect it from Starling Thomas, right? Like, we're not shocked when Starling Thomas struggles. Uh, but to see it from from the veterans, which is, I mean. Well, I mean, Beckham hasn't had a great year. And we no. know that Hamilton is scrappy. But Hamilton versus Odell, that's not a matchup that. Like you got them one on one. That makes sense. Why? Why Hamilton and ha- Hamilton is a scrappy physical player, and that's that's where they got got them into trouble. But I, I think like defensively, they only gave up 268 total yards. Now they did give up they they did give up 130 rushing yards, but most of that came in the second half when Gus Edwards basically it was the Gus Edwards show, um, right? In well, that one drive. Yeah, and I think there's a couple other things that we can talk about. I mean, the pass rush continues to be a a, a revelation. Dante Stills uh, with a sack and a half. Yeah, I mean, I I joked with some buddies. I'm like, you know, can't believe the NFL let Dante Stills fall to the sixth round to the Arizona Cardinals. Right? He's he's only <laughs> one sack behind uh, the greatest uh, defensive line prospect in the history of mankind, Jalen Carter. So. Um, you know, and it, it was disappointing to see uh, Zayvon Collins get a sack taken off the board because I thought that was actually the best he's looked from a pass rushing standpoint. And then it just ends up being an incomplete pass, and you're like, oh, yeah, that was that, that was uh, that, that would have been a nice big play too for the team. Yeah, that that would now ultimately that play didn't cost them points because Justin no, Tucker co- then, then then missed the field goal. But, but it did like, cost them good field position and, and it, actually, momentum. You know, actually, they had better field position after the missed field goal. That's true. <laughs> they had better field position after the missed field goal, which is weird. But it, but still, it was it would have been when when you have that big play taken off the board, it takes the juice off a little bit, and so rather than the offense coming onto the field after the defense did their job, then you've got a missed field goal. It just it's it's different. It's different. But yeah, defensively, it was it really was they 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 all the metrics. Like you look at the metrics, it was pretty solid because they they held them to thirty six percent on third down. There were only two hundred sixty eight total yards. Um, they did. I mean, the the rushing yards were a lot, but they helped, they limited Lamar Jackson. So Lamar Jackson didn't hurt him with his legs, didn't hurt him with his arms, his arm. And I you thought- look at the but I mean. Red zone, that's that was the difference. The red zone well, was the difference. They went four for four in the red zone. Right, and I do wonder if that's going to be a 
a teaching tape. I don't know what the best way to explain it is, but like if we're going to see other teams implement a similar tactic to what the Cardinals did against Lamar, because it was extremely effective, as you said. Oh, like, that, that, that first sack by, by Dante Stills, that was so impressive, the discipline that the defensive tackles had because they didn't over-pursue. It wasn't just chasing him. That was really cool to see. He he pursued him to a spot. The nose tackle, you know, kind of slid over to to protect that that hole from for that way Lamar didn't take off. And I, I know there was coverage down the field too, but that that first that first sack by Stills to me was super impressive because where where you guys get hurt by Lamar is, and we've seen it with with the Cardinals and Russell Wilson and Colin Kaepernick back in the day and guys and Kyler Murray is they over-pursue and they lose gap integrity and you've got an opening for for the quarterback. And that first sack, it was just Lamar didn't have anywhere to go, so he had to keep standing in the pocket, and then Stills finally got him. Yeah, and, and so to see, you know, the way they did it, and, and they brought it up on the broadcast. You know, they brought only three, sometimes four, but they they would spy with Kaiser and, and that's the other thing is you got to remember not every team has a Kaiser white that's athletic enough to even hope or dream of, of spying Lamar, right? Like that's a reality. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was great to see. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll see if that's something that the rest of the NFL begins to employ and, and, and take advantage of, but it's interesting to see them continually, uh, <laughs> the, they gave up 31 points and only 268 yards of offense. That, that, that well, was, it, that's okay. I guess like we should have waited for the bad, but I'm like holding a team to 268 yards of offense. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah, and, and that's just, you know, that's just a product of the offense turning the ball over, giving the, the Ravens short field. And then all of a sudden those, you know, like you said, if you don't hold in the red zone, it, it makes it tough. But I was just, I mean, I continually are become impressed with what you see because, you know, the names of this team, Starling Thomas played very well. Um, Josh Woods kind of turning into a revelation at inside linebacker, right? You mentioned Dante Stills. Uh, we're seeing we're seeing Garrett Williams and, and why they were so high on him as, as, as a, uh, as a prospect. Right. Um, and then to see Buddha and Jalen back for the first time and the difference that they make for this team. I mean, and then we got to see BJ Algeleri get his first sack of his career. Yep, That was cool. Uh, uh, just, I mean, they're just getting after it. And some of them are guys that you can say, hey, these are building blocks, right? And some of them are just guys that are getting an opportunity that are playing a, probably above their weight, similar to what we saw with Dobbs at times. But, I mean, to see them continually grow is 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 a cool thing. And, and I hope that, you know, that's what we take from this season over everything else is that this is a team that's that's – you know, if you put, and again, I'm not taking shots at guys, but if you take, if you take a Roy Lopez who's having a nice little, you know, resurgence out, and you add in whether it's you know 
the you know uh uh now the guy's name is escaping me that they signed from the Seahawks, right? LJ Collier, or you you bring in a a Jerzon Newton out of Illinois, right, with your first round pick, but you're going to be able to scheme those guys up and get something productive out of them. That's kind of how I'm trying to take everything that we're seeing is that the talent's not great. We know that, but they're getting stuff from their talent and that's that's impressive and you mentioned it during the game right you know again more pass breakups more getting their hands on on the football a yes. little more they had uh, they had uh, <laughs> they had three in their previous four games combined three they had five in the first half i, I didn't count up though how many they actually had so let me pull that up at the end of the day but they ended up with no, oh, they ended up with five. They didn't. They didn't touch. <laughs> they didn't touch the ball in the second half, which is you know when things fell apart. I do want to talk about two positives on offense and their players. Amari Demarcado, that that's so impressive. I think we you know you you don't. I love how he doesn't do anything like he doesn't have any outstanding trait. He's not overly. He's not overly fast. He's not going to have great speed. Doesn't have great size. He's He's a good pass protector. He's no, he can pass the, he can catch the ball all right, but he's smart. He gets the yards he's supposed to get, and sometimes gets a little bit more. He's very like he reads his he reads his line very well, and, and is able to find the crease better well, than we've it. seen that. And you know, that the thing with Keonta Ingram, yikes! But Amari is he's doing really well with that, and and you know if he can just be. That solid number two of James Conner, that's that's fantastic for an undrafted kid. And then Trey McBride, I think he's they're they're turning him to a feature. Like he's becoming the Zacherts in this offense. And and it's good to see. And we did we did see some productive and with some production in garbage time, but garbage time nonetheless. He was five yards from being the first one hundred yard receiving tight end since I think Rob Awalt in nineteen eighty. Eight, jeez, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen sometime, and we can finally stop talking about that tight end. St- that tight end stat. Yeah, and it's just you know it's one of those situations that he's getting an opportunity for the first time, and he's he's really making the most of it. And it's interesting to your point that they there there are guys on this team or on this roster that were drafted by the previous regime like a Keontae Ingram that just are not as good as like an undrafted free agent as an Amari DiMarcado and and it's just interesting and but that's kind of how especially running backs kind of work right that you draft a guy like a, a Ingram who's a size speed metrics freak and hope he works out and you sign a D Mercado to the, from the to your practice squad or undrafted because you look at him and he doesn't necessarily have any metrics that you go okay this guy could be a feature back and you just kind of let him work and then you're like oh this guy's not bad at all so yeah. you know those are those are always interesting but and fun little things but yeah i mean overall it's just been it, it's cool to see these guys play well and i and i want to say one more thing about the offense the first 
time this year that the Ravens gave up a touchdown on their first drive uh, on or to their opponent. So, I mean, game script, they got lucky with what we can call a um, questionable illegal contact by, <laughs> that, by Kyle it Hamilton. Went, you're right. That, that, that went from being a three and out to a touchdown drive, thanks to that. And it was, I mean, that's one of those plays that you go, I mean, I'll take it, but if they call that on the Cardinals, I'm going to be furious type of thing, right? Like, because there, there was no way. So, and so you just look at it. Yeah. So it was, it, it's just, you know, it was, there was good that came out of this game 100%. It's just, again, the offense until garbage time when they were really not close. And, and I, you know, I text you guys, I tweeted about it. Like when your running back is averaging more yards per carry than your quarterback is throwing, it's a bad day at the office. It just is. I mean, there's nothing, there's, there's just no other way to put it. And that's where they were until the fourth quarter. I mean, entering the third quarter, handing the ball off to Amari DiMercato for just under four yards per carry was a more effective offensive play than letting Josh Jobs throw the ball. And that's basically unheard of. And, <laughs> and you know. 60 yards on eight in his first 18 pass attempts. And so to see them finish with nearly 200, you know, again, a lot of it garbage time. Or he did finish with over 200. You're right. He did. So, you know, and, and, 200. But, but in fairness, even though it was garbage time, the Cardinals did. So that's, that's the other positive is that they – even with as bad as they were playing in the second half, somehow made a game of it at the end. Yeah, they they and that's the thing. There was two plays in this game that you look at and you go, these are these are the plays that decided this game. And and again, this isn't a bash on Josh Dobbs. This is just a, a reality of the situation. And it's right before the half. He throws an inexplicable interception, um, and what happens? Well, the Ravens go and score 43 yards for a touchdown, take a 14 to seven lead at the half. I mean, it's 14 to seven, or for, it's seven to seven at that point. Worst case scenario, and, and so I'll put some of that. And you and I have been, I think, nothing but impressed with Drew Petzing so far. And I'll put some of that on Petzing. I mean, you've got a guy at that point who hasn't been good throwing the football just you know you've already run five plays for 21 yards or four plays for 21 yards just keep running the ball worst case scenario you go into the half it's tied best case scenario you you get close enough to kick a field goal or maybe take a shot or two late where it won't affect you to to throw an interception right but to throw an interception on on your side of the field and and to have that happen that's just was a backbreaker man because then because here's the other thing that we haven't seen they come out and they force the ravens to punt their first three possessions like again so you talk about that defense you talk about what that defense did first three possessions they forced the ravens to punt and that's just that's just one of those situations that we haven't seen coming out. I mean, you've talked about it a ton. You come over here and third quarter, 
and you end up the the game gets out of hand usually right and until that interception it's still 14 to 7 you've had multiple chances to put positive you know outcomes on the board offensively just haven't done it and then you throw that backbreaking interception they only have to go 23 yards to score their second touchdown or their third touchdown and take a a two touchdown lead and and at that point it's almost like it's just almost to the point where you just go well yeah there's nothing there's nothing you can do coming up next on the rise of sea red podcast mr carlos talking web let's talk about the bad there was plenty of bad but there was definitely positives that's coming next on rise of sea red we're back on the Rise of Sierra podcast, Mr. Cardinals talk on the web. The negatives in the game, I think like, you have to stare down Josh Dobbs, and those two interceptions were, oh my gosh. Now, the first one, that was that was a terrible throw. There was there was no reason to miss that. And the second one, in fairness, he got he got got, basically. They the way Gannon said they gave him a dirty look. They they gave him a dirty coverage, and so they fooled him. They fooled him on this on the second interception, is what happened. But uh, like they can't turn the ball over. They just can't afford that. And and that's that's been thing, especially the 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 inaccurate or just the the overthrow, is that's the thing that was the hardest to deal with with Dobbs. Is that that when he was taking care of the football, there was still the issue that. You couldn't move the ball down the field very well because. Unless a guy was wide open, he wasn't going to get it to. And even if he is wide open, it, it had to be in the middle of the field. Right. And, you know, you just can't force that pass. Um, you know, and it's it's another thing. And, and I'm obviously we know the how the defense is playing or the defense is set up and playing makes a big deal to this. But what is your opinion – on the fact that those two drives in the fourth quarter, 19 plays, 150 yards, two touchdowns, do you think that is mostly a product of how the Ravens' defense was playing? Or do you think that a combination of of Dobbs obviously um, making some mistakes, but Petsing being probably too afraid to to take some chances um play the role in that like or or do you just kind of chalk it up to i mostly chalk that up to the the ravens now easing some of the stuff that they were doing up front yeah i would yeah and i was just curious because you know to see them score 17 points in the last or i know it wasn't 17 but you know score two touchdowns and a field goal in the in the last quarter uh, oh it was 17 yeah i'm right uh you know and and that was just, 17 points in the fourth quarter they had scored 30 points in the second half period of seven games combined right and so to see them finally do it it just it, like you said a little bit, it gives you some hope, but then it's also equally as frustrating because you're like, where has this been? <laughs> well, the fact that's, that's when you look at 268 yards, that's fantastic. The Ravens scored 31 points on 268 yards. That's absurd. But, you look at, but yeah, and it's absurd, but you also look at it. It's crazy to think just that 
two, or three of their three of their scoring drives, three of their scoring drives went a total of one hundred and uh, and three yards. Like the Cardinals were playing well defensively, yeah. like a hundred and three yards, and you give up three. You gave up seventeen points. I mean, in the end, that's the difference in the game. And again, this isn't a crap on Josh Jobs dobbs thing but like if your defense is playing that well you can't it's really hard to win a game in that situation because you look at before those 171 yards and and 17 points they they were borderline under 150 yards from scrimmage with with two interceptions and two turnover on downs so like four possessions where they turn the ball over to the Ravens and their defense still did a nice job. And that's, I mean, you look at, we haven't seen outcomes like this. I mean, the Ravens went three and out three different times. Um, they had multiple drives where they had less than 10 total yards, four total drives where they had less than 10 total yards in that drive. That's and and six total drives where they had 20 or less yards. That that's just not something we've seen from the Arizona Cardinals this season defensively. And especially when you take into account who they were playing. And that I'm I'm not even factoring in the the one play for a negative yard. I mean, there's six drives in the in the middle of the game while the game is in the balance that they gave up 20 yards or less. And and the offense responded in those drives in just horrific fashion. And th- those are hard things to overcome. Yeah, and, and this is where your lineup is that of the of the Ravens, 21 first downs, four of them were by penalty. And, well, and uh, you know, you put give them a pass interference in the end zone. That's always going to, that's always going to bite you in the rear. Um, it's, they were penalized six times. That That's not good. They had the same amount of, they had the same amount of penalties, both teams. But it was, it was just that overall the offense was outside of DeMarcado for the first three quarters. And and I'm wondering, and you're not wondering, they almost didn't use DeMarcado in the fourth quarter. I don't know if they had a a limit in touches that he wanted or if he, because he had 20 carries and then it's like he didn't play in the fourth quarter. And so I'm I'm interested to see if there was, if if he shows up on the injury report this week, but, and, and he was great in the first half. And then the run game stopped being efficient in the second half as well because he only had I think it was um, 18 yards after halftime and he was averaging you know right about 4.4 I think for the first half and he finished at 3.9 and so the the even the success they were having offensively declined until garbage time yeah and it's tough um, you know to to run the ball from behind anyway so to see them you know like you said be so effective that was kind of surprising i don't want to say shocking because that makes it sound way more <laughs> than well it was, that's the one thing like, we did say that they they could do they could run the ball on baltimore it was just a matter of being in a game situation where you could continue to run the ball yeah and so we'll see how that works out um 
with going forward because he, God forbid he shows up on the injury report, right? Like, because oh, Damian Williams is out. Like he's on the practice yeah. squad injury report in injury reserve. So if Demarcado is hurt, then it's you're going to have Kent Ingram and Tony Jones. And and Ingram has looked really bad. Oh, just like he can't. Like, he just doesn't understand how to run the football, which is crazy, but, yeah. I mean, it explains why <laughs> he didn't put up numbers in college either, right? It was just weird. It, you know, it just – it was disappointing. But, I mean, it was disappointing, but it wasn't surprising how the game flow went, right? <laughs> the game flow went exactly as you predict, as we predicted, only they came back at the very end. Um, I, I thought – that and we we keep talking about I was trying to talk about the negatives in the game is that they that the Cardinals could not convert on fourth down they had those two replays bite them the butt like I I'm not sure I I know in the pool report they said that there were a couple of frames where it was clear that Lamar Jackson had the ball in his hand and was moving forward maybe the and I get why they moved the spot back but it just Especially in that situation, why didn't they like? They've been successful with the you know the tush push, QB sneak like Philly's done. Why didn't they do that there? Why why didn't they do the one thing that they've been quite successful at this year? Yeah, but you also look at it. There was a couple of plays where Dobbs. This is this is the difference in a guy that's you know backup and a guy that is a starter in the NFL and and one of the things that you see with Dobbs is he just misses so many guys running open because what happens is on that so like on that first play where he threw it and Michael Pierce just I mean Michael Pierce made a nice play getting his hand up and getting the ball batted down but he misses Hollywood like literally what like all he has to do is float the ball out to his left and Hollywood just runs under it, catches it. I don't know if it's a touchdown, but there's nobody around him. So he he runs for until somebody tackles him. Because um, they just ran a, a, a easy mesh concept. And, and there was, I mean, you have to understand that you're throwing to a spot. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we've seen with Dobbs is he just doesn't a lot of times trust spots he he wants to see a guy open before he throws it so you know and so at the same time i'm this is where i'm struggling with petsing you know we talked a little bit about it earlier is if petsing is just calling the plays like it's what his expectation level is for let's say kyler murray right and he's just like i'm just going to continue to call the plays then i'm fine with that but if he's like no josh Dobbs can do this I want to be like, have you watched Josh Dobbs play? <laughs> because then that's on you. Because like Jess is saying, just just go under, shove the quarterback forward for a yard, or run the fake shove toss that everybody's running now, and like let's just move forward. But like asking Josh Dobbs to make, you know, process a throw in that time and that quickness. It just seems like it was a foolhardy thing, and and you know it came back to bite them. Uh, and then the other one with they ran it with Di Mercado. I I still don't understand the spot. I understand now the respot because they're being told, oh, he's down 
a yard back, but that spot doesn't make any sense because it looked like the ball, he had the ball in his arm reaching forward to the original line before they moved it back. Now, I'm not going to blame the officials because they get a call from New York saying this is where the ball should be spotted, but I'd love to know what the the spotter replay official saw to to dictate that oh this is the wrong spot (laughs) it was crazy couple of injuries to watch uh especially with elijah wilkinson now on injured reserve tristan cologne uh only played two snaps before leaving the game with a calf injury uh, which means dennis daly finished the game now that that's that's fine but it does cut into that the depth um michael wilson went to the locker room late we'll have to worry about that and then we know that damian williams he's he's done ish uh, I doubt he would be a guy that they designate to return because you can only do that for eight players all season. He's on the practice squad injured reserve, and so they have a running back issue again. We'll know more about that in, on the injury report that comes out Wednesday and beyond. But we'll go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Rise Up Sierra podcast. Mr. Cardinals talking with Seth and I'll be back recording on Thursday to, to preview the Cardinals and the Browns. And maybe we'll have a better picture as to whether it's going to be Kyler or Clayton Toon. I'm assuming it's going to be Clayton Toon based on what Adam Schefter reported. But let's wrap this up. Thanks for listening as always. That's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Root. This is the Rise Up Sierra podcast. We'll be back in a couple of days. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Sea Red.